Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, and I mean comic books, everybody. This is the only podcast hosted by two brothers talking about a thing they love, and that thing is comic books. I'm one of your hosts, Kevin Hines. I'm your other host, Will Hines. And we are... Uh, hi. Uh, yeah, we are brothers. We are sort of comedians. We mm-hmm. are, uh, you know, two dudes, uh, and we're here yeah. to talk about stuff we love uh, and, you know, we talk to each other, mostly. Yeah, mostly talk to each other. Although it's actually, it's kind of rude of everyone to listen in. Yeah, it's sort of intrusive of you guys to download and listen to this episode. Stop listening. Yeah, everyone, stop listening to all these episodes. This is private family stuff. Please unsubscribe. Don't leave comments. Please do not rate and review our podcast. That is, who asked you? Yeah, this is not a, that kind of podcast. <laughs> we just couldn't think of any other way to have a conversation. I like saying not that kind of podcast. It's like we're... We're not that kind of, it's like, we're not, we're decent. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not an indecent, common, crude little podcast that just lets any people listen and rate and review and subscribe. Right. I mean, we are that since we're not behind like a, a paywall. We are kind of like that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, and also this, this particular um, time of our podcast is like a season of guests. So we yeah. really aren't just talking to each other. Yeah, it was it was rude of our guest to be here as well. Yeah, it was pretty intrusive for our guest to accept our invitation yeah. and schedule it with us, and then show up and talk to us like we asked him. Uh, though our guest this time is our f- first ever repeat guest. That's right. It's uh, Mr. Scott Ackerman, uh, yeah, podcast, so this guy, podcast uh, novice. This guy sort of sometimes guest stars on your comedy Bang Bang podcast, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's where right. Where you uh, come in late. Uh, every few episodes and pretend to be a character. Every few. Yeah. Yeah. He guests somewhat. He tends to guest a lot. He usually guests right yeah. at the top. He's uh, pretty he frequent. guested for years before I ever showed up for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he guested a live version under a different name at the UCB yeah. theater for years. Yeah. He used, he used to do the, he used to sometimes appear on the TV show version. I think he would. Yeah. Pretty high percentage of the time. Yeah. I haven't seen appear. them all. I haven't seen them all, but, uh, he seems to be in most of them. You know, I haven't checked either, even though it is my show. And I do believe Scott Ackerman is in a high percentage of the Comedy Bang Bang television episodes. That's good for him. Yeah, he's really he's really, he's really making a name for himself in the Comedy Bang Bang universe. Um, and, yeah, uh, he's, he's our guest this week, and he's going to talk about uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six. This is written That's by right. Tom Taylor and drawn by somebody I don't have it in front of me. You look that up, and I'll just say that uh, we were thrilled to have Scott guest because um, not only is he a really well-established podcast novice uh, and a frequent guest on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast that he created and hosts, um, but also he's a comic book writer. He's written um, several issues of comics, Deadpool um, and others, but... Uh, I think even more than that, we like having him on because he's a true blue comics nerd. Uh, and I say that with with affection and as a compliment. He's read a ton. He's just got good recall and memory of the stuff that he likes, which makes him fun to have as a guest to like talk about this stuff. Yeah, and especially since our sort of uh, questions, our interviews seem to be more about uh, the interviewers as fans – than anything else it's good to have somebody who actually likes comics and didn't just like oh yeah i wrote one because why not yeah it wasn't like he just lucked into 
a cool opportunity to write a comic and took it. He's a passionate longtime fan um, with uh, lots of with lots of opinions and feelings about the comics he likes. So yeah, we we like the chance to nerd yeah. out with him. Uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, written by Tom Taylor, drawn by Juan Caval. Right. And uh, we get into all that in our discussion with Scott. Um, Scott's a big-time Spider-Man fan, in in addition to just being a comics fan in general. Um, He was going to talk about – we asked him to pick an issue to discuss, and he initially picked the Dan Slott-written Amazing Spider-Man issue 801. But we have already devoted an episode to that, so – we asked him to pick another one, and this was his uh, his uh, his other pick, which also is a great right. issue. I had not read this issue, so I was really excited to check it out. Yeah, uh, you you were in for a big surprise. We talk about that in the episode. We also talk about possibly Scott Ackerman playing Stiltman in the MCU. That was our pitch. Yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's likely. We made a strong case for it, and we have a strong influence on the MCU. Mm-hmm. So I think now that we've set it on this podcast, we've really set the wheels in motion. Kevin, did you enjoy our talk? Anything? Did Scott's level of uh, expertise surprise you? Uh, I mean, I, we've I know had you, him on. You, you look down on podcast people in general. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, if he if he had his own show, if he wasn't just a guest on your show, uh, <laughs> it would have been different. Uh, Scott's great. Scott's super nice. Yeah. Uh, especially, I don't know him. Uh, I haven't done shows with him. Yeah, I've only know him from the previous time we had him on this podcast. I uh, am a Hollywood level close personal friend mm-hmm. of Scott Ackerman, and you're like a stranger, basically. I am the brother of a friend of his, so I don't know <laughs> if I'm a stranger. Uh, like if he went to your Thanksgiving and I was there, he wouldn't be surprised to see me. <laughs> I guess that's true. But if I like showed up at his, if I was sitting outside by his pool, I assume he has a pool. Uh, uh, yeah, he might no, be yeah, like, I don't know. Actually. You shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. Is probably what he would say to me. If you were there, he might say, "Why are you here, Will?" Yes, you probably shouldn't be here, but maybe, yeah. yeah it'd, it'd maybe be, I invited you and I forgot. Mm-hmm. There'd, be, there'd be some questions. I but imagine. if I was there without you, I think it would surprise, it would be very confusing. And I think authorities <laughs> would be called. I think it's, uh, I think I said this to Scott in the interview, but I, what I like about him is that he's just really articulate and talking about comics because you can be a really passionate fan, truly love them. It still is not a given that you're sort of the kind of person who's able to sort of like chat about them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's uh, not everybody has that um, uh, sort of inclination or ability to kind of, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk and analyze this thing that we love. I like it because his last name makes it sound like he's a superhero. He's Ackerman. Ackerman. Oh, yeah, Ackerman. Right, right. right. That's uh, true. If you pronounce it, if you pronounce it that way, he could be a superhero himself. Yeah. Scott Talkerman. Yeah. Um, so uh, we were really excited that he agreed to be our first repeat guest, and we had a great talk about a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Which uh, we talk in the interview, huh? The setup, like what you think about that series and stuff like that, right? Like that it's. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think, we talked a did, little bit about it. We got into it at some point. Yeah, we may have gotten uh, into it offline. I like Tom Taylor a lot. I definitely mentioned that mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the episode. Tom Taylor currently writing Nightwing, another one of my favorite characters. And the first issue was Chef's Kiss. Kiss. Chef's Chef Kiss. Kiss, good. Nice. So I'm very excited. He did a Suicide Squad series that brought in Ted Cord. So this guy knows how to get me. <laughs> he's going after Kevin Hines. Yeah. Whether, right. whether he knows it or not. Um, I think he knows. He knows what he's up to. So we got this great interview. We hope you all enjoy it. And I guess without further ado, we should get into it. Yeah, let's start the episode. All right, Scott, thanks for joining us. We're so excited hey, thanks, to have guys. you. Yeah, I'm uh, uh, excited to be here. 
Yeah. Um, wow. I, could, I couldn't quite accurately we feel it. It's well, hard I to could, describe positive I, I, emotions. I can't say that I'm excited to be here. I mean, it's very early in the morning, but there, I mean, what can you actually legitimately accurately say about this? Well, thank you for being sincere. I'm always and happy to talk to you guys. Yeah. yeah. Don't give us I, any pleasantries. Yeah, you yeah, can say you are here, I guess. I am Drop the excited, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I am here. This is your second appearance on our podcast. Our first is this our first, a first repeat guest? Uh, yes, that's right, Scott. You are our first repeat guest. Congratulations. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, first episode, we went over the insane issue of Spider-Man. I just, 15 guys, I just, checked, I just checked Snopes. That was an accurate statement Scott made. He <laughs> is here. Snope, yeah. Snopes is already on his They're on it. They're state on of it, yeah. hearing this podcast. What is the that deal we with released? Pinocchios? Can I ask, like, <laughs> why infantilize lies? You know what I mean? I know it's lies. Is like, why make it cute lies, or whatever? But- yeah. Yeah, like the whole just calling them Pinocchio and awarding an amount of Pinocchios. It's yeah. like it almost we... feels like you want to get some more Pinocchios. <laughs> I just don't know whether we would be doing that, you know, during World War II. Like Hitler gets four Pinocchios. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. Wow. Put his little Hitler mustache under those Pinocchios nose. <laughs> then again, if you do something bad, looking for the appropriate nursery rhyme might be the way to soften the way it is, you know? True. Like uh Five uh, Rumpelstiltskins. <laughs> I just, uh, I just kind of dish ran away with the spoon on my wife a couple of times. I think uh, yeah, she'll, she'll be all right. That sounds um, like Cockney slang. Yeah. Oh, dish ran, ran away, away with the spoon, spoon a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So what's, the, over the, what's moon the rhyme to that? I fished and <laughs> went to the moon. No, you're that's the to, actual rhyme of the. <laughs> you're trying to expand it into a new Cockney slang. Oh, just um. Alished. I can't think of any. There's no well, verbs that when people it. when people talk about Cockney slang, and they they say how obvious it is. Like anytime you see it in a in a movie, because yeah. people think Cockney slang is really interesting. Like I know Ocean's Eleven. I think maybe has Don Cheadle doing Cockney slang in it. Okay. And they explain it like you're an idiot if you don't understand this. Like I just ran away with the spoon. I mooned her. <laughs> oh, right, 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 <laughs> like, right, right. Come on. <laughs> it's like, well, it's not that easy to figure out. Yeah, they really like frame it up. Yeah. Um, I'm an Austin Powers man myself when it comes to making fun of Cockney slang. A little how's your father? Oh, I thought give, you meant when, when it came to movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. I, I'm an Austin yeah, Powers. That's true. I start, after Austin yeah. Powers, I was like, it's not getting better than this. There's no reason to come back. Yeah. Cinema began and ended with Austin Powers 1. Well, I think it ended with uh, my screen debut in Austin Powers 3, but uh, <clears> well, I, I is disagree. that right? Yes, my my uh, screen debut and I believe finale. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think you've snuck into another one? I think I'm in my wife's film. I'm in fact I know I'm in my wife's film. <laughs> hey, congratulations. You, got, you should watch it. <laughs> I didn't even put myself into the Between Two Ferns movie. Yeah, that's it. You didn't get a cameo. You didn't do like a hidden cameo. I didn't do anything. Like no, I, I really felt like I was like, I want this to be a pure, I'm not going to just put myself into it because I'm the director. I want this to be the best of the best. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm not best of the best. I don't belong in this. Oh, you, and Hitchcock, Hitchcock shows up as a cameo in Between Two Ferns. He's yeah, a Hitch- bad actor. <laughs> yeah, he is. He was not a good improviser, I have to say. <laughs> uh, I'm in Between Two Ferns, and I love it. And I've been recognized for it by in the strangest really? moments. I was yes, and I you know I'm in there briefly, but I was I was walking down Los Fields Boulevard, and a guy across the avenue just shouted Between Two Ferns. Uh, <laughs> well, me. there there is a probably one mile square block 
where the types of people from like UCB down to the Cinerama Dome, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. the Trader Joe's on Vine. Like the over, fans do that. Maybe that. over to Cahuenga. Like, yeah, that's where people recognize me the most. And right, right. So like, like outside of that one mile, no one knows who I am. But in that <laughs> one mile, I get I've gotten free lunches. I've gotten like, <laughs> weirdly like beautiful models coming up to me. And Such like, a fan, yeah. You, yeah, you get, it's so strange. You're I like, walking with them, and you cross the street, and they're like, "Never mind, I forget who you are." <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, who's? That? It's all fading. Yeah, it's like yeah. Wandavision, essentially, yeah, just like right. outside it's, of the outside of the hex. It's like no an ego. It's ego whiplash to be sort of like famous in a very specific context, and then not at all. No one gives anywhere a shit else. in like yeah. in, in like most people other spit contexts. on me everywhere else. Well, Will, you're really good in the Between Two Ferns movie. And oh, yeah, I, thank you. I, I there it. was a point where we were trying to figure out what to do with the credits. Um, and we were experimenting with the credits as they are, are just purely between two ferns outtakes with yeah. all the celebrities and Zach laughing. Sure. But there was a great. point where we were experimenting with combining that with uh, the actors in the scenes, you know, improvising and laughing. Yeah, and right. And laughing. And there is a really funny scene that was in contention for a while where... Uh, the uh, Zach and, and the entire cast, the main cast of the movie, leave the scene with Will Ferrell. <laughs> I think I remember you this. Are, you are his lawyer, and uh, they're gone. <laughs> and basically, you guys, we still kept rolling. And Will Just, is like, "Great job, great yeah. job to you." He's like, "Take yeah. the, take the rest of the week off." And then you, really funny, you were like, "Really? It's Tuesday." <laughs> and so, I was. Thank you for remembering that. I was so thrilled to be doing improv with Farrell. And I was like, God, what do I say here? I don't want to screw this up. So it was what he said, take the rest of the week. I mean, I couldn't believe the cameras were still running. I was like, are they still filming us? Like, Galifianakis <laughs> yeah. has left the room. I was like, just me and Farrell. All right. And so, and so you're like, it's Tuesday. And Will's like, well, that's just how great of a job you did. I mean, yeah, sure. And then then he started laughing at it. And yeah, it, was, yeah. it was really, really funny. Oh, and for a while, so that was... remembering it. We may have even tested it. I can't remember it. But it was it was. And very then funny. it bombed and people were like, it's, we hate this guy. Only the yeah. Los Feliz residents liked it. Yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's... Uh, Let's. We've got two questions for you. We're, we're going to talk about a comic book issue. It's a, it's a deep. That's it. Deep you from? Once I got once I got that compliment out of you, we can wrap this up pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you looked at Andy Richter's podcast and were like, "We need to simplify." Yeah, this. five yeah, three questions. questions. Good. Oh, is it five? It I think it's five. No, it's three. Oh, is it three? I don't know. Yeah. I've never. That's I don't listen to podcasts. It, to me, it's a little funnier that you just took one out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Richter, I love it. Got a little change. We're going down yeah, to two. That third question just—it's like who cares anymore? Yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, what's the issue number, Kevin? Friendly Spider, six. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six. Uh, but before that, the so one question is let's talk about that issue. But the first question is, what kind of a comic book fan would you say you are? Like, what's your story as a comic book fan? So my story, and we may forgive me if I'm repeating anything that we talked about on the previous. We episode. forgive you. I forgive you. Thank you so much. God. <laughs> I'm down on my hands and knees. It's really you guys. too much, really. It's, yeah. it's okay to repeat yourself. Um, so I started, I must have started reading uh, when I was four or five. I, I was a pretty voracious reader when I, I started reading when I was three. Brag. And my 
parents would, instead of reading to me, I would read to them. <laughs> Basically, nice. like my mom, mm -hmm. my mom used to love, and I, I remember, I know how old I was because we were in my old house, but I have memories of like reading out loud The Wizard of Oz to her. And, wow. And, like all of, the, all of the successive books. Like I was deep into Wizard of Oz fandom, you know? Wow. Sure. Like the, I wonder if that was know, terrifying. The L. Frank Baum books, um, yeah. or is it Frank L. Baum? I'm not sure. Uh, uh, he goes by both, uh, I think. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, so so I was reading comics probably since I was four, and uh, we would go into the drugstores all the time, or the or the Stop and Go, which was our Seven Eleven, and uh, I, there would be the comic books, and I would you know always be asking my parents for they were like fifteen cents, I believe, at the time, and I was always mm -hmm. like can I have 15 cents? You know, I want to buy a comic mm -hmm. book. And I remember uh, one time my dad took me to the stop and go and said, by the way, you know, while we're here, you can pick out any comic book you want and I'll buy it for you. And I found, uh, I think it was a DC special that was 25 cents. It was double size or a hundred. <laughs> nice thing. Yeah. And I was like this one. And he looked at it and said, 25 cents. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you blew it. You overplayed you your hand. He overpromised and I overdelivered. So you were in pretty early and you have sounds like pretty good memory of like stuff you would read then. I mean, I can remember yeah. like comics I would read pretty early, even before I sort of knew what was going on with the characters. I was just sort of fascinated with, the images and trying to guess what was like happening and stuff like that. I mean, I, I came in pretty much, I would say 10 years after the Marvel universe started and, you know, obviously a good sheesh, 40 years after the DC universe started. Yeah. So, so there was a, a, a fair bit of history with DC where I, I would go to the library and um, I don't know if you've ever seen these books, but they have, um, there were there's three books they put out in the seventies, which were Superman from the thirties to the seventies. Oh, wow. Uh, Batman no, I don't, the I don't know these. The seventies and Shazam from the maybe fifties to the seventies. And my library had the Superman and the Batman one. And it was basically like a selection of issues throughout the decades. And then commentary on like what changed oh, throughout wow. the decades oh, of it, wow. and cool. including like commentary on, you know, the Frederick Wortham you know, scares Ooh, that, that yeah. put EC comics out of business and stuff. Right. So in, in any case, I grew up like really liking DC because it was a little more childish, but there was so much history. Whereas Marvel, I felt like I was a little more on the ground floor of it because it yeah. didn't go you hadn't missed so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was still in the 100s of most of the issues. <laughs> it, felt, it felt like, you know, I could grasp what had gone on for the previous yeah. previous decade and I could get, you know, back issues here it and would, there. It would be insane if you were a comics fan like around like 1980 and you grabbed an issue of Action Comics and it was issue number like whatever, 491 yeah. or something like that. That just seemed insane. It seems impenetrable, which is why... They renumber uh, everything now. They renumber everything now, but back in the day, that was uh, the higher the the number on a comic book it proved that it was a good comic book because right. it had been around for so long. Yeah. yeah. Now it seems like an impenetrable number to people that's like, well, I can't catch up on the first thousand issues of action comics. You know? <laughs> right, action, right. action and detective are both over a thousand now. Like, yeah. So crazy. A thousand and thirty eight or something yeah. like that. Um, which I remember being in the seventies and eighties and, and calculating in my mind when action comics would get to a thousand and wondering if I would be alive <laughs> and, and kind of going like, well, it's probably going to happen when I'm in my sixties. Um, it, it happened earlier because they went weekly for a number of years. So, yeah. uh, but, uh, in any case, so, so, wow. so I, you... I kind of, 
I gravitated over to the Marvel universe. Um, I, I got uh, these pocket books, which were like miniature books of uh, we know all these. Of, yeah, all of the the Spider Man and Fantastic Four and, and Hulk. the Hulk. And maybe and Thor, Daredevil, I believe, yeah. and possibly Thor. And I got, I got those. And the Spider-Man one continued all the way up. They were like five or six issues a piece. Yeah. It continued all the way up to like volume six, I think. And so I mm-hmm. had like all the way up to maybe you know issue forty of Spider-Man. Nice. Uh, and those were my favorite comics. And these are like that's precious pre-internet, like finding like old old issues that were like yeah. actually completely presented as they were was like hard to find. So if you were like it's very hard to find comics they nerd continuity minded, it was like gold to have. They weren't that. putting together <clears throat> trades of earlier issues or anything yeah. like that. So those pocketbooks were really important to me, and I would reread those over and over. And this is like the early you know Stan Lee, Steve Ditko stuff. Uh, and, and it, it went up to where Ditko had left and, and John Romita, um, took Senior. over. So, yeah. so, uh, in any case, those are like my favorite comics. And then I remember Marvel tales came out where they started reprinting Spider-Man from the beginning right. and I got mm-hmm. those, but they updated them with like modern eighties re- references. Oh, I forgot um, about that. Oh. Yeah. So like there, there were in the <clears throat> word balloons, they would be talking about like, Hey, we're going to go see, you know, whatever the Beatles are, are playing <laughs> Ed Sullivan. And then in a totally different font, it would be like Duran Duran. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in any case, I, I grew up kind of, you know, I was into DC until probably the early eighties when, when I stopped kind of being interested in any DC other than the new Teen Titans, um, mm-hmm. which was a little more adult, a little more Marvel like. And uh, I just kind of was more of a Marvel guy, but Spider-Man was really my, my big love where I was obsessed and still am obsessed with like having yeah. every Spider-Man issue. Yeah. Who, who were your DC heroes as a kid? Uh you know, I, I, I pretty much collected, uh, I off and on collected the flash. Um, I off and on, I used to think like brave and the bold and DC comics presents were a great value because it was like, <laughs> you'd get Superman or Batman yeah. and another hero, you know? So yeah. it was like getting two in one uh, justice league. I remember being, uh, in San Francisco in like maybe 1982 on a family trip and, uh, finding, I, I, I remember a specific two parter, where someone died on the JLA satellite or something like that. And I only had the first part and I never knew what happened in the second part. And I remember being on a family trip in San Francisco and finding the second issue in like on Fisherman's <laughs> Wharf and being so excited and <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I got begging it. my parents to buy it, buy it for me. 25 cents. No, no. <laughs> so, so I've grown up pretty much. So, so until maybe I, turn 17 or 18 um when marvel comics started kind of getting a little uh impenetrable and and x-men became very repetitive around issue 200 and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i I was i was really into it and then i took about six or seven years off where i didn't read anything right and then i feel like that's so common like you get into it as a kid then sometime teenage years early 20s it's like i'm i can't keep reading this it's too too much the same it's common, but I also think it's indicative of that particular time period. I hear a lot about that particular time period of like 1989 or 1990 yeah. through 97, maybe even 2000. Like those are not the best comics in the world. And unless you were a, a kid, 
coming right, to them yeah. for the first Unless time. Unless it's your time. Right. Yeah. They yeah. were, they were not that great. Yeah. So, I switched to DC yeah. largely at that point uh, and not even a ton just cause like Marvel wasn't putting out much. I liked. Yeah. And DC suddenly became a little more mature. Now they've swung the other way where yeah. like every DC comic has blood and gore and Batman is just like a horror comic now, essentially. <laughs> yeah, if six people don't die, Batman doesn't get out of bed. He's like, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, exactly. not, not for me. Someone's face isn't cut off. It's like, nah, not worth Batman's time. <laughs> but um, I do. I read Batman comics. And I'm like, he's not good at his job because every everyone is like, it used to be like he'd stop murders. And now it's like he shows yeah. up after 30 people are murdered and he like stops the Joker from number 31. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm like, I don't know, man. Well, he's also like essentially a rich guy who's going around beating up poor people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's and a, spending all look. of his money on beating up, you know, which is why I think, you know, Batman is segued now into just super criminal, you know, kind of things, you know, because it, it becomes a little hard to justify when it's a super rich guy who's just trying to keep him and all the other rich people in Gotham City's wealth. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. You you take any good premise and let it go for a thousand issues and it, it distorts into something insane. Like Batman yeah. in its simplest, let's not think about it too much, is like a rich guy tries to do right and help out the people. And it's kind of like a Robin Hood yeah. detective thing. A thousand issues later, he's a, it's, it's like, wait a minute. This is like a classist, problematic violent psychopathic fantasy or something yeah i mean and, and when it came when it first was introduced i mean it was it was kind of a little more clear cut to to some people of just like it's a power fantasy in in one respect but it's also just like hey there are people who have possessions and people trying to take those possessions and that's yeah. not good <laughs> yeah. you know? even even if you look at like Spider-Man as if he existed all this time, it's like you get to a certain point, you're like, hey, you should be able to pay your rent now, dude. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that's, you know, that, that that was why I think it was kind of a big mistake for Stan Lee to to allow Spider-Man to graduate high school so early. And I think I think back in when the Marvel Universe was first invented, those first five years or so are, are like the first five years of anything where you just have so many creative ideas and you're just yeah. like really pinging creatively with people. And so you're like, yeah, he, then he graduates high school and then Reed and Sue Richards get married and like all this stuff is happening. And then you're, you're not thinking of, Hey, this is something that's going to be around for 60 years <laughs> yeah, yeah. or longer. Yeah. We need to play the long game here. You know? Right. But that, that's what's so in, interesting about a comic like, say, Invincible, which I talked to Robert Kirkman about once where he was like, yeah, I mean, essentially I wanted to do a book like Spider-Man, but where it doesn't revert back to the status quo all the time. So like if yeah. Spider-Man gets six arms, he then has to figure out how to keep these six arms Yeah, because that's his reality. Right, then. right, right. Um, so did you – I have to read Invincible, by the way. I've never read – Kevin, have you read oh, Invincible? Awesome. I've read uh, like the first hundred issues. <laughs> at some point, oh, I fell off of it. Forty-eight. Yeah. At some, I, just, I think we just reread them all. And I didn't know it so was going good. to end at the time. I think it hit a certain point, and I was like, "Oh, he's ha having another bloody fight in space with his dad's family." And I'm like, "I can't." <laughs> this is Kevin has a uh, Kevin has read great. so many comics yeah. that uh, sometimes even his appetite gets tested, and he's <laughs> got to pair it back on some things. We, uh, we I, I'm in a weekly comic book club with my wife and Jason Manzukas, where <laughs> during the pandemic we just were like, you know what, let's check in with each other every week, and and this will give us an excuse to do. Oh, nice. And we, we over, 
think we did 24 issues at, at a uh, in a week. So whatever divided by 148 divided by 24. So we I think we've polished off Invincible in like six weeks or something like that. Oh, nice! It's really really good and just in time for the cartoon, which is is maybe even better. So it's love great. it. Uh, Manzukas is a real comics nerd. He approached me to be on this podcast, and I was like, "Get he some, get some you. more comedy cred. Uh, yeah. Come back to me." <laughs> was yeah, that turned to one square mile? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, right after the guy recognized me in between two ferns. Manzukas came parachuting down. And hey, said, I was thinking I should be on your podcast. <laughs> Gets good Manzukas energy. <laughs> yeah. Here's the deal, Will. I come on, okay, bro. He, he's also <laughs> he's in Invincible, by the way, which is oh really? Uh, oh, I love it. He's very funny in it. Um, um, yeah. So anyway, I came back to comics in, in about 97, uh, when I first started working on Mr. Show, I was, um, my, my workmate or we, we shared an office was Brian Posehn and he would go mm-hmm. to golden apple every Wednesday. And so, um, he at one point was like, Hey, let's go to golden apple together. And I was like, you know what? I need a clock for this office. So maybe they'll <laughs> have like a fun Spider-Man one or something. Yeah. And so I went to Golden Apple and I was like kind of poking around and looking at certain issues and it still was kind of 90s and like, eh, this is no good. But then I think I, I saw a few things like Astro City and Ooh, yeah. Um, and I'd been keeping up with like indie comics, like 8-Ball and stuff like that. At right, the time. right, right, right. So, so it, it, it dipped, I dipped my toe back into the water and then started just kind of going back every Wednesday and and have now just become like a true fan where you know i have a a full office closet full of trades <laughs> and hardbacks and stuff Her so. b6 comics are good at bringing people back i feel like that cuz uh yeah. untold uh tales of spider-man and marvels brought me back when oh, i had like at my lowest i was like reading very little superhero stuff and i'm like oh this is good and then when he started doing avengers and everything else i was i was like oh i'm all back in now i don't know yeah. what happened I mean, those untold tales of Spider-Man, they really scratched the itch of like what uh, were- you liked about Spider-Man in the first four years of it, where it was just like, he's a kid and he's yeah. got real troubles. And yeah, it just, it was just such simple fun. They really, they really captured like what made Spider-Man work. I, li- I like, uh, actually today's issue kind of does that. I'm yeah. excited. Um, okay. So then you're looped back in. How did it get to be that you, that you wrote comics? That was just sort of. Just was, whatever you just met people and we're talking and it just sort of came around or that that was actually uh, the aforementioned Brian Posehn and mm-hmm. Jerry Duggan who were writing Deadpool at the time they were writing an anniversary issue I think maybe it was 200 or something of Deadpool and so they needed a bunch of backup stories and so um, they asked me to write a five pager um, and they they gave me the parameters i feel like which was it it had to be about agent adsit okay um who is the scott adsit of the marvel <laughs> 616 sure. universe um and so that that was they they just said we need a backup about this character and i i immediately got an idea for it which was Okay, well, if this truly is Scott Adsit in the 616 universe, he's probably not too different from the one in our universe. So what happened in his life to to get him to be an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. instead of having him starting to do improv? <laughs> so, so when I thought about that, I was like, okay, 
maybe he's exploring that uh, in his life of wondering why he never, you know, had had the courage to get up at Second City, you know, and yeah. who, who better <laughs> to talk to him about this than a funny superhero who's Spider-Man. Right. So it became a Spider-Man story because I really just wanted to write Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so so it became like a, a not only a conversation between them of like, hey, you're a, you're funny. How do you have the courage to be funny? Because I never had the courage to get up at Second City. And Spider-Man kind of saying like, oh, well, you know, I did it because of this and this. But meanwhile, they were fighting uh, an incursion on the, the shield helicarrier of... Um, <laughs> The other funny thing I thought of was instead of uh, it being they were they were on the dark side of the moon and instead of it being man wolf it was I, I thought it was funny to pluralize it so it was men wolves <laughs> um, so but it was just like packed a lot into five pages but that but I sort of and that, and that's how I started writing comics and anytime I would get a request from from an editor to write something usually I would have to think of the like emotional story I wanted to tell more so than. Uh, like a physical story where it was like, Oh, this, you know, I really want, for instance, that first one, I really want them there to be a big battle on the shield her- helicarrier. Right. I wasn't thinking that I was thinking about yeah. like what I wanted to say. Yeah. Like how can you get into why somebody made a big life choice? Yeah. Uh, one way versus yeah. the other. That's, those uh, are, that's those the Marvel my, way. That's the Marvel those way. Those are my get favorite comics. Thing. And that's, and that's why I liked Marvel comics is, is, you know, when I go back and reread them now, I can kind of sometimes gloss over just, the mindless punching of yeah. people. Yeah. And I, I focus more on the soap opera scenes or the, or this, or if they are punching the, the funny ways of like what they're trying to, what they're going through while they're punching someone, you know, I totally agree. Um, Kevin, oh, Kevin is only in it for the punching, right? Kevin, yeah. you're, 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 yeah. You're, yeah. I don't read the words anymore. Yeah. Uh, sound <laughs> effects or, or I'm out. You you're just fight only. Out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In your own house. Um, yeah, so so that was the first one I I wrote, and then um, people liked it, and so editors, I think I think they're all fans of the Bang Bang podcast, essentially. Yeah. So they would reach out to me and and say, "Hey, uh, what about this? I think I did another five pager after that, and then I did a ten maybe, and then I did a couple of uh, regular issues, which are twenty pages, and then the last thing I did was for Marvel Comics a thousand and one, which was a Spider Man story, which is one page." Yeah, <laughs> so you're gonna get it down to just a one panel story. <laughs> but the um, one the one page was was another thing where they were like, do anything you want with anything, and that's you know ooh, I, I sometimes that's work, almost too much. <laughs> I sometimes work a little better with parameters of like, hey, do a Scott yeah. Hudson story or whatever. But it was like, do anything you want with anything, and one of the the reason I I did what I did in that one page story was I I had read a couple of very touching Spider Man issues, one of which we'll be talking about today, yeah. and the other one being Spider Man eight hundred and one, which kind of you know get explored w- the Spider Man mythos from a more emotional angle. Yeah, um, and so I tried to do that in my one page story. Um, <laughs> And, wow. and, you know, I think, I think did a pretty good job. People were very happy with it. What was that? What was the setup? Yeah. I, I definitely read it, but now I can't remember it. There's a fat, it was like, whatever. It was like a 200 page story. Yeah. I don't get out of bed unless it's a 200 page story. So <laughs> you don't get out of bed much either. I don't I get it. I look for excuses you're, to you're not get out of bed, bed right now. Yeah. I raised that bar. Yeah. I don't get out of bed if the podcast <laughs> is under six hours. Yeah. I find um, reasons to stay here. The the essentially what we did in one page was Spider Man fighting a lot of 
villains and you don't know why. And he's, he's trying desperately to get somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, finally he makes his way through the villains and he gets to a person on the ground that the villains had all been around and he takes off his mask and you see it's Spider-Man and he's, he's older now. Ah. He's, he's like an old man. And the person on the ground is uncle Ben ah. who's saying like, you made it. You can finally, ah. you can oh, finally good. rest. Oof, that's a good one. So, yeah. So that was, um, that was my one pager. Then he, and then he stabs Peter in the gut <laughs> yes, with a mystic knife. Yeah. Which makes him come back to life. Yeah. Um, Let's get into the issue you want to talk about because I had not read this issue and I loved it. Let's take a break, Will. Oh, right, right, right. right. And then talk about it. Oh, let's take a break. Let's be professional. I forgot. We got to do our break. Let's take a two hour break. We'll just sit here and look at each other in silence and we'll start talking for two hours. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. And we're back. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this issue. So um, you wanted to do Spidey 801. We took that away from you because we had done a whole episode on Spidey 801. Did you do that with... A guest, or was that? No, that was just the two of us. No, okay. during our Spider-Man season, we did a few instant classic episodes because oh, I read great. that and I was like, I want to cover this issue. It's so perfect. It's so it's so great. Eight hundred one um, is just such a. I I really like stories that are sort of treatises on what mm-hmm. what a character means to a particular writer, and that one is such a great. Uh, examination of Spider-Man from a different angle that, that I don't think you've ever seen before, which is his effect on the regular person on the street that is, would have been collateral damage in a uh, robbery or something like that. But um, it's, it's such a great issue. Yeah. It was followed a few years later by that Chip Zdarsky one. That was sort of a similar angle. Those two are just uh, a great great companion stories. Yeah, this one's great too. This one's also this, this uh, one. This one is sort of a companion to Amazing Spider-Man two forty eight, the kid who which, collects Spider-Man. The kid who collects Spider-Man. Yeah, oh yeah, so which is, is one of the all-time great Spider-Man stories. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, you, you instantly see the comparison when you're reading this one, but I think it's such a worthy successor. I was so impressed. It's also twenty eight years after the other one, so it's like you can't. There's, you know, I mean that that there's, it, yes. There's time to hit that up. Uh, Premise yeah. again or whatever, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, and so, so it is. Spider-Man also is not like so dominant in people's minds. I don't feel like that's. It's it's not it, like it something that's been pops done. Pops up on the best Spider-Man stories ever told, like in the top ten oh, or whatever. Comics but, fan, Spidey hardcore fans yeah. know about it, but I don't. It's not like basically it hasn't something's been adapted not in the into MCU. one of the movies yeah, or yeah, anything yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's just and and it's not even the entire issue. Of right. 248. It's the backup story. Right, which is crazy. Um, which so is I guess, nuts, but when they used to do more like 
uh, when the collections used to mostly be like, here's an assortment of Spider-Man stories that would show up in those more than now where it's like, yeah. here's an arc. Yeah, uh, exactly. Let's, let's, but it, yeah, it's a really classic. If if you haven't read it, go back, uh, check it out. Amazing Spider-Man 248. It's Roger Stern yeah. and Ron Friends. And it's uh, a, a really, a really touching story. And this one, it kind of is, is I, I don't know this, this for a fact, but I would imagine that it's inspired by that one. I mean, if they didn't, if they weren't thinking of the story while they wrote it, one of the editors would have been like, just so you know, guys, this is... <laughs> yeah, hey, I got yeah. to bring this up. <laughs> this Maybe they're to... all thinking, I don't know, but... <laughs> um, so just just to give the context, what is the... what is the? And Kevin, I'm looking at you, but Ackerman, you can feel free to do this. What uh, What is the deal with the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man series? It looks like it's like more family-friendly, kind of like accessible Spidey stories, or... Not really. Just no. another title. You're, they just slapped totally, another name. Totally wrong. No, I'm they're completely yeah. wrong. Okay, good. <laughs> Every Spider-Man uh, spinoff book, Amazing Spider-Man, is the main book, as we right. know. Um, and then uh, the second book was uh, Marvel Team Up, but then the third one was Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man. And what Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man did was try to focus on Peter Parker mainly, uh, while ha- you know having him do fights and stuff, but it it focused on him and his uh, cast of characters. He was going mm-hmm. to NYU at the time, and mm-hmm. um, so every kind of spinoff book of Spider-Man tries to have some sort of guiding principle behind it. It seems like yes, and yeah. the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man took the neighborhood part of it, and okay. it basically focused on where Peter Parker was living at the time, like his apartment building in his square city block and the cast of characters was made up of those type of like neighborhood stories not so much like world saving stories a lot of times these b titles are i think more just like we have a creator we want to give a spider-man book to and if and if it gets like a second creator it just sort of becomes more spider-man story like yeah peter parker the became that and uh uh Chip Zdarsky's just felt like the other Spider-Man story to some extent. Yeah. Um, right now they have nonstop Spider-Man whose guiding principle seems to be action. Like you're, yeah. we're not going to have any kind of soap opera here, any kind of just the emotional stuff. It's just purely like Spider-Man on a race for his life. Yeah. Punching people and trying to get himself <laughs> out of a situation. Yeah. But th- this really focused on more, emotional stories and more down to earth stories. And I think the, uh, the previous issues to this are where aunt may found out that she had cancer mm-hmm. and the, the issue right before this was Peter, her, her telling Peter that she has cancer and has her first chemo appointment the next day and hopes that he'll come with her and him kind of begging off and going like, uh, I got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And then him going out and like, punching people on you know on the street and actually breaking someone's arm accidentally and yeah. him realizing that he's running away from his problems and I love it and so it that that issue ends with him like showing up at his uh aunt's is this uh, also kingdom. the run where there's like the Mary Jane issue is that right? am I remembering I that right that. there's an issue where that Miles is in it and Mary Jane sort of uh is on a train where like a supervillain attacks and she like it's just kind of, it's, you know, it's another day of the week for Mary Jane Watson. <laughs> right. It uh, might be. Yeah. I can't remember. And it, it was another one of those. It's just like, oh, this is just another cool little, it's, it's not about, it's about his supporting cast more than him. And it was just sort of fun. Yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like that, and it's been a minute since I read the whole run. I think it lasted about 
15 or 16 issues yeah. or something like that. And, and I do remember the supporting characters were made up of like an older woman who lived in his building. Yeah. Who, there was more to her than what it appeared. And I love it stuff like that. That's very, I always, I don't know, comics, whenever somebody goes into like neighborhood or other characters in the building, I think of Will Eisner. I feel like that's the tradition of like mm. these uh, Will Eisner used to had a, graphic novel called the building and another one it was just like that was an address where you know, every story yeah. would just be a different like every man the hit the hidden epic story behind the every man on the street type of well, I, I was reading about the kid who collects spider-man and uh roger stern the great one of the best spider-man writers i think yeah. um he was talking about how he was very influenced by will eisner for that I mean, kid who collects spider-man is a will eisner ish story i guess we should just say so kid who, i'm just gonna blow it here but like the kid sure. who collects spider-man is spidey is visiting some kid who's a super fan and who's there, collected all this memorabilia about this kid in the daily bugle and it's oh, right, right. presumably just yeah. an article and this is this is particularly is what he was saying was eisner-esque is the article part of it as well like it, yeah this kind of old style newsprint and yeah it was like a slice of life article that's just talking about this kid who has the largest collection of spider-man memorabilia and you think it's like oh how charming and spider-man goes and visits this kid and yeah, and like, you're reading this, and it, it, I think part of it is that this is a backup story to an issue. So you're like, I guess yeah. this is going to be it. Spidey visits Spidey a fan. Spidey visits a kid, visits that's a fan. How, that's interesting. And, and it and, sort of retells his origin, which they would do occasionally. So it feels yeah. like maybe it's just a different a way to A framing device for, yeah, exactly. Because he's the kid asks him questions and, and is like, well, why did you start doing this? And he's very vague about it. He's like, well, something happened to me when I was younger and I didn't. Yeah you know, intervene in a crime. He's without going into details or whatever. And it's very much, yeah, you know, like you're saying, it's, it could just be a backup story where it's like reminding people right. of how Peter Parker became Spider-Man. And then Spider-Man says goodbye to the kid. He's like, well, you know, it's almost morning. I've told you all these stories. I got to go. And the kid before Spider-Man jumps out the window is like, hey, will you tell me who you really are? And yeah. As a you know, as a young reader, I'm like, well, no, no, no way. Come on, of course not. Yeah, yeah. And Spider-Man's like, no, I mean, you know, obviously I can't, yeah. you know, because I, you know, have people that I'm protecting. And yeah. the kid is like, I promise I won't tell anyone. And then suddenly Spider-Man. I think he just, says, I won't tell anybody as long as I live. As long as I live, yes. And Spider-Man just like straight up takes off his mask. <laughs> he's so I great. Think, I think Spider-Man <laughs> says, I know you won't. Yeah, um, yeah. Right. I get chills. And, and and tells him who he is. Says my name is Peter Parker, and and then tells him you know about my his uncle Ben got murdered and stuff. It was it's like, so great. And then he leaves, and you see it's a cancer clinic, and this kid has and terminal then, and, cancer. And you see the last lines of the article there, which yeah. is saying that he has leukemia and only has a few weeks left to live. And I hope, like the writer is saying, I hope that Spider Man reads this article and and reaches out to the kid. Yeah, it's, it's so great. it's it is so. In a way, if it was handled worse, it could be this overly sentimental, Sappy. kind of overly mm -hmm. manipulative thing. But it had such a perfect touch. I'm so blown away yeah. by that story. I, it makes me cry. I, yeah. It's um, Kevin and I were, were uh, we read it separately, and sort of I remember at some point. Oh, have you ever It'd read? Be weird if you were the, reading every other word to each other. We used to sit next to each other <laughs> and we used to do, just yeah. read it like <laughs> line by line. <laughs> But I guess we wouldn't always check in on what we were reading. But I remember at some point we, oh, have you ever read Keto Click Spider-Man? We had read it separately. Like, it was like, oh, it's incredible. It was, I think for a while it was like a hidden gem of a story that people would sort of discover. And like I say, I don't remember it being like trumpeted as like this must read the way like, like well, the death yeah. of Gwen Stacy or something like I that. I think it came out in 
maybe, you know, the mid 80s, 84 or 83 or something like that. And and again, it was at a period where stuff like that wasn't reprinted. Yeah. So I, I happened to have the issue. I bought the issue off the stands because I had been collecting Spider-Man since I think the like 200 maybe was my first issue that I actually owned. And so it was kind of like I just had it and it was accessible to me, but it, it yeah. would have been very hard yeah. to catch up with. I if think you I saw it in a reprint. It. I think I saw it in a reprint. Um, right. Okay, so now we can get to this issue. So this issue is so, a story of spider bite. Yeah, so this issue, I remember when it came out, um, the comics press, like Newsarama and, and people like yeah. that, were touting that this was the debut of a brand new character who was sort of analogous to Robin from Batman and Robin. Right, which is a crazy um, move. And yeah. everyone was like, what? Yeah. He's got a young kid sidekick? And the and the character's name was Spiderbite. Yeah, you know, sounds which, like a which terrible sounds idea. Lame. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and all the press was like, this is the brand new status quo. This is, Spider-Man yeah. has a young sidekick now named Spiderbite. And everyone mm-hmm. was like, what? the hell is going on? What are you yeah. talking about? Right. And so interest for the issue is pretty high. Um, and it's just a classic bait and switch. <laughs> it's right, such right. A, it's <laughs> such a good move. I did not know that. I did not read the press. I had not read this issue before you picked it because I am uh, dumb and uncultured. <laughs> And so I read it and I thought... Cultured people always read Newsarama. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the sophisticates. Um, But I bought it. I was like, oh, was there a spider bite character that I didn't know about? That I just... And it just didn't work or whatever. So... Right. So you... Is this happening? It was issue six. So you didn't know if in the previous five issues... like, is this someone who's... introduced him or something like that. And that... Similarly, I think a lot of people who bought it for the first time because it just drops you right into the middle of a big battle going on between... Spider-Man, Spider-Bite are fighting Doc Ock and the Vulture. Yeah, and it's just like starts in the, you know, just in the middle of a big, big action scene. And so I think a lot of people are like, what is happening here? Yeah. Did I miss something? He has a sidekick. What is going on? And, and you know, you're reading and thinking, oh, they'll probably explain it. Like you're, we're joining it, joining it in media res for some mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, it it continues on and the the battle gets more and more intense and it becomes a battle with the sinister 6 who uh is you know uh, a classic team up of villains from the early pages of Spider-Man and you're thinking yep. like okay well I guess that's ra- a thing you could do they're raising the stakes and putting this young kid in danger with the sinister <laughs> 6 that's yeah. odd yeah he's he's 9 is what he says at some point in this issue too yeah, yeah. because someone half. someone takes a look at one of the villains is like, what are you, eight years old? And he's like, I'm nine and a half. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is lame. Right, right, right. <laughs> you're, you're thinking like, I guess they're trying to go for younger readers or something or give them someone to relate to or. Yeah. And you're just like, explain, like, how did the, how did this status quo come to be? And then suddenly the Sinister Six, the Green Goblin says like, it's not just the Sinister Six, it's the Sinister Sixty. Right, you have this massive two-page spread. By the way, we should say the art is by Juan Cabal, yes, um, who does an incredible. I mean, like every panel is just so. Oh, the art is beautiful. Um, but but there's a massive two-page spread of Spider-Man and Spider-Bite facing off against sixty of the greatest Spider-Man villains of all time, and you're like, whoa, this is. I love crazy. seeing like who ranked. I like seeing like who got what placement. I looked for the enforcers. 
their back row. <laughs> Your favorite. Just off center to the right. My favorite yep. villains. They're there. They made it though. They made it they made the it. top 60. I, I went through them all to see if I could recognize them all. And there's a handful I can't. And oh, I, there's a bunch that I can. I'm a big Spider-Man fan, but I was sort of like, okay, yeah, the Jackal, the, <laughs> yeah, wait. Mephisto is one of them. Like the devil. You know, two different versions of uh, Venom are there. The Flash Thompson Venom, I believe, is in there. I he might, well. uh, somebody who looks like him, but I think it's somebody else. He's got like a spider on his face. And I don't know who that is. There's like six Craven-ish characters. <laughs> yeah, because there's Craven's his son and his daughter. daughter. Yeah, as well. yeah. So, I mean, I, it really seemed like they were like, okay, how can, who are the 60 villains we can use? And they were really kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel at some point. Um, and then, so then there's a, a and this is, this is a flex. This is an incredible flex, but the there is a two-page spread after that, after the two-page spread that came before it, which is um, a huge fight with Spider-Man and Spider-Bite and all of the Sinister 60. And when I was um, doing that first Deadpool Spidey comic, I remember talking to Jerry Duggan about it and, and saying like, uh, I'm, I I think this page should be six panels and him going like six is hard in modern comics. Like yeah. six, six uh, is a little tough to do, especially with how much dialogue you're writing. This is 60 panels <laughs> for the sinister 60. It's awesome. This is 60 panels and it's a real feat. Like it's not, it's not just a lot of panels that are also kind of arranged in a symmetrical, yeah. symmetrical format. Order, yeah. Um, and like the, so the, the, the number of panels, the detail in them, it's pretty good. It's pretty good storytelling in it. And there's a, there's a decent variety of fighting that is displayed. It's if, a, like Kevin Hines, you're only into the fights. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, does yeah. a pretty good job of showcasing this is the only page a lot I read, of fights um, Yeah. <laughs> it's a tour de force. I mean, it really is, you know, one of the best Spider-Man uh, two-page spreads, I think, of all time. It's really incredible, and um, it it just it feels like the artist is showing off in a way. And then to make it sixty panels, you know, exactly, you know, is just uh, incredible. So, um, so that's you know, I mean, right there, you're just getting your money's worth, even if the mystery of why this kid is with Spider-Man isn't solved. Yeah. Um, and then the 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 first big plot twist comes up, which is that they the Sinister Sixty has a boss um, yes. who's behind everything. Right. And an unintentional boss, homage to the Ditko issues, which was always concerned with who's boss of the crime families. Yes, again, always, had, always issues. had someone like taking off a mask behind a, a strange mechanical panel that yeah, was right, in right, front right. of their face for some reason. But um, this we see we see the mastermind the mastermind behind all of this is a villain that has been made fun of in recent decades named yeah. Stiltman right he's yeah. a he's a go-to punchline of like lame he's he's replaced Pace Pot Pete as the go-to let's make yes. fun of the dumb idea for a villain <laughs> yeah. villain right so so Stiltman was uh i think a daredevil villain wasn't he i think that, so yeah that was like introduced back in the early 70s i believe and his his big thing is, is he just got really long legs <laughs> which i relate to um, yeah you, you stiltman you get moved by him scott yeah people look at stiltman and go who is the identity is it tina turner maybe i'm not quite sure <laughs> 
I, but, can, I um, can see you auditioning for that role in uh, the MCU. That might be your second <laughs> I film. I would love that. If you're listening, MCU, Kevin Feige, <laughs> I want to be Stiltman. But um, essentially, he's used anytime in recent comics where people, um, you know, think he's really lame and go like, well, he's just really easy to push over or like, you know. <laughs> slash his ankles, you know, 80 <laughs> stories below him and he just comes toppling down, you know? So, uh, you, so at this point, everyone's like, what is even happening? Stiltman is the, is the guy who corralled the sinister 60. What is this all about? Um, and then, uh, the, the fight ends and spider bite and Spider-Man are victorious over Stiltman and, um, it's really cool. And you're like, all right, great. Um, and then the second plot twist comes, which is at the end of the, the, the fight, uh, Spidey and spider bite are on top of a rooftop and they've been chasing after this MacGuffin the whole time, which is a box that all yeah. of the villains have wanted. And, Spidey's like, hey, so what is in the box? What? Why were we chasing after this? And Spider-Bite opens up the box, and it's a Spider-Man action figure. And are you, by the way, Will, were you just uh, pretending to <laughs> Spider-Man thwip a web, or were you pointing at someone in your house? My roommate walked through the room, and I gave him a little finger gun, hello. I was, <laughs> I was not imagining myself to be Spider-Man. It seemed like As you were we like, talked about it. oh, yeah. my God, that would be so fucking cool to be Spider-Man. <laughs> I honestly wish I was so unguarded that I could just give over <laughs> and be pretending to be Spider-Man as we did. This would be a different issue if it was a uh, 50-year-old spider bite. <laughs> doing around little them. finger guns. <laughs> yeah. Someday so, when I do my Kid Who Collects Spider-Man homage, it'll be a uh, Spidey, uh, play with me. I'm a 50-year-old improv comedian. <laughs> um, I'll teach you how to do improv. It's yeah. a fair exchange. Right? We, can't run the, we can't run this issue, Will. They do a Herald. It's uh, not an accessible issue. Uh um, so, so still man so is still man's been defeated. They're looking at their MacGuffin, the box they've been going after the box and it's a Spider-Man action figure. And, um, then spider bite starts coughing and, uh, Spidey's like, Hey, let's get your mask off. And spider bite says, well, what about my secret identity? Won't everyone see who I am? And he's like, uh, it's okay. We've had a, you know, enough action for one day takes off his mask and then the next page the big reveal is that um instead of being on top of a rooftop they're actually sitting on top of some lockers in yeah. a hospital and spider-man and this kid have been just pretending this entire time they've been right. through imagination they've been yeah uh, and having this this battle with like a makeshift sort of cityscape that they built out of cardboard and uh, staffers at the hospital who have dressed up in makeshift villain costumes. Yes, and, and then we, we, we see somebody with pat hair patches removed. So we're, uh, you, you can see that you're basically in a cancer ward. Um, right. We're with sick uh, patients. Sick, sick kids. And, and stilt man is just like a dude on stilts, essentially. <laughs> and, yeah. And he's like, how was that? Did I do good? And and the kid is like, dad, you were the best stilt man ever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's the dad who's been playing along with them. Yes. So, yeah. So it's like a big, it's a big reveal that, oh, he's been playing make-believe with a kid in a cancer ward. And so instantly you're like, oh, okay, yes, that's why this 
fight is insane. Right. And it's not, it's not our reality. This is not the current reality going forward of like, he doesn't actually have a a kid who's going to be his, you know, boy wonder for the the rest of Spider-Man. And I guess I I was sort of impressed as I, so I'm reading this and I'm completely suckered at every turn. I, I was like, Oh, and I was really satisfied by this turn again I think it's the kind of thing that could be like sentimental and sort of like tr- too much, but I think they did the exact right touch here in that there's some kind of brutal details about the realities of being, you know, terribly sick and the mm-hmm. the sadness of it, but also the fun of having Spidey play. Like I think they had the right balance here. I thought it was, yeah, it was really yeah. great. And there's, you know, there's a few pages left in it where, where various things happen in the, and like you say, the realities of the seriousness of it get covered. And so where it's not all just kind of a saccharine, like, Hey, we had fun, buddy. Bye. Yeah. This kid's really sick. He's dying. Uh, It's a horrible reality for the family. Afraid to go to sleep uh, (sighs) because he thinks he'll never wake up. Yeah. Yeah. The kid like screams at one point and then he's worried he ruined this perfect day and Spider-Man reassures him. It's really sweet. Yeah. So uh, it, it's, it's, uh, and then ends. The ending is great. We should, uh, yeah. this, this is a terrific ending moment. Scott, can you tell us what happens at the end? So es- essentially when, when Spider-Man talks to the parents and finds out why the kid was so, uh, angry and not wanting to go to bed because he knows every night he may not wake up the next day. Uh, Spider-Man says, well, the, your day is not over yet. Do you have a jacket? And then the final page is a splash page, sort of reminiscent of Amazing Fantasy 15, but not that exact pose. Yeah. Um, but um, of Spider-Man taking the kid swinging throughout the city. That's great. For one final treat. Yeah. It's really sweet. I love it. I fell for it 100%. I love this ending. I love this drawing. Um, you, you know, as, as P.T. Barnum said, <laughs> a sucker's born every minute. I'm you, it. Yeah. You, you fell for it. <laughs> yeah. P.D. Barnum mostly was talking about Will when he said that. <laughs> I fell for it. I believe there is Spider-Man. I, uh, he I was convinced that it's a real character. When you were born, yeah. and he's like, look at this sucker. Yeah. One born every minute. I think I did. Uh, if that were true, I want more people to know that. I would want more yeah, credit. an important part of your, Barnum, your, like, the lore uh, of was Will talking Hines. about me, yeah. It's uh, also fun, even after the Stiltman reveal, that the art starts getting like more like a child drew the clouds and the buildings are all like hand-drawn, like the whole reality starts to shift as it goes on. Like there's more like when you get to Sinister 60, you know, well, something's up. This is not, this can't like, uh, this it's, it's is either just, a dream or so a hypnosis yeah. or something. It's being played too straight to not to be straight almost. Cause it's like, yeah, this doesn't, no one seems to be freaking out or <laughs> 60 yeah, bills I mean, are just it, here. And kind of the reading experience maybe reminds you of like that Alan Moore, um, Superman and Batman and I think Wonder Woman story of uh, where they're trapped in the pods and yeah, what do you get the, the man life, who has everything? Yeah, given the life of uh, the, of their their desire, where you're like something is off here. This yeah, yeah. Or, or watching like Star Trek Next Generation episodes where everyone's acting strangely, and you're like, okay, this is obviously a dream, or yeah, we're on yeah. the holodeck, or somebody's being yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so you it definitely gives you that feeling. Um, at, around the midpoint, but then the reveal is is just really touching and satisfying. Yeah, it's so well done. I I, I love the. I mean, again, you, if you do this with the wrong feel, it's 
clunky and lame, and this it's, does it yeah, exactly too right. Too saccharine in one way or one, you know. But it, it really did remind me of the kid who collects Spider-Man. Oh, where for it's just sure. Deftly done. Yeah. Uh, Tom Taylor is the writer, who's a great, great writer. He's great, yeah. And um, you it's know, got, yeah, it's got to be consciously aware of parallels to kid who collects spider-man like just the kid taking off his mask instead of in the kid collects right. spider-man peter taking off his mask right yeah. um there's still I mean, like one final moment at the end after you think you know what's going on uh I mean, just the idea of spider-man visiting you know, a kid who's dying taking a day basically for uh, or a, a huge chunk of time to be like i'll go see this kid and and it's yeah, gonna be, I mean, it's, it's, gonna be, it's, it's the side of Spider-Man that you know in, in in comics, which are about battling and overcoming you know supervillains and stuff, you don't get to see a lot. Which is the he he not only has a responsibility to to be out there saving people, but when you achieve the level of fame that Will and I have in one square <laughs> yeah, block yeah. of of Los Angeles, yeah, yeah. you have a responsibility to the fans, especially the younger fans, to reach out and and you know give i've offered to visit sick kids well. but they they tell me i can't go <laughs> they're in. like aren't you yeah. a sick adult <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, uh yeah and even the idea that he doesn't spider-man never feels appreciated or loved most of the time and then in these stories it's sort of like you are by the people who it really is important to and there's like moments where spider-man has to just sort of accept like his own <laughs> neuroses and be like oh yeah this is important for me to do this matters to this kid well, you know, so much of the the superhero fiction that we watch and we read, the stakes are so high. Uh, if it's a movie, if it's a you know five hundred million dollar budget movie, the stakes can't be as low as this. You know, the stakes have to be, yeah. hey, the, half of the world was turned to dust. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> so, so it, that's why it's always refreshing to see what comics can do when they're scaled down to these kind of lower stakes stories. Um, yeah, which is they, where the the Marvel universe sort of started. They're they're better, I think, in these small moments, episodic. Um, Stuff. Yeah, so uh, it's it's my great. favorite stuff. Even if it's a huge epic thing, my favorite parts of those are generally like the one you save the one person type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, by the way, there there is a uh, callback to, I think it's Spider Man thirty eight. Uh, if this be my destiny, where uh, thirty three. Yeah, you're right. The, the lifting oh, yeah. the big heavy thing off of his shoulders. Yeah, there's yeah, a there, clear. There have been a lot of homages to, to that over the years. That, yes. Um, and, but there, yeah, that really went from being like a thing that only hardcore Spidey fans know to like a cool little Easter egg to almost a trope. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, we gotta have like Spidey lifting. Every writer tries to get there. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. look, I I did my own version of the Spider-Man carrying the robber from Amazing Fantasy 15 <laughs> cover. Yeah, hey, in no, one of no my Deadpool stories, like, no shade thrown on Easter eggs, but this yeah, it's just, but um, it's a really funny one where he's under, he's in the classic pose of like you know barely keeping uh, a bunch of metallic junk from crushing him. Yeah. And he, he says, and nothing happens. And he says, I said, Hia! yeah, right, um, right, right. Very funny. I almost, spider, I almost, a spider bite has to get in there and help him lift it. Yeah. Well, Which again, I, if he was a real character, you'd be like, what is this? Right. I, I, I read this twice quickly, not to brag, um, wow. but I'm just that kind of oh, reader. Quick. But um, uh, so once it's revealed that this whole opening action sequence, how many times if you had read it slowly, how many times do you think you would have read it? Let me see. Would I'm you be done by a couple now? Of the, no, no, no. I'd still be working my way through it. Um, <laughs> they, uh, it, it's the first time you, you, now that I know it's like a make believe thing that Spidey is doing with a 
sick kid when he goes hung i said hung the first time i read it it works as like a joke that right. he's like yelling oh, at his own powers for not working but when i read it the second time i was like oh he's playing make that's your he's, cue he's trying to cue the kid to come in oh, and help him yeah like uh it works kind of both ways like as a ridiculous meta battle right but also right. as an adult playing with a kid and kind of them giving each other clues over what to do next Here's what I like right. to imagine now is that Will read this sincerely the first time and he's like, Scott recommended this comic. What a like for the first shit. four or five pages, he's like, yeah. what? <laughs> Scott, why is this the one case. Scott wanted to talk about? Well, yeah, it's interesting because when I said, hey, can we do this one after you shot me down for <laughs> um you didn't betray that you had read it at all like i i would have thought if you had been familiar with it you would have said oh i love that issue or something so i was like oh i bet will hasn't read this so yep. yeah it'll be interesting. i was like oh okay yeah and yeah. i just and i uh, will asked if we had covered it. i said no and i uh didn't mention also gave me no clues. Read it. yeah great great well, I, I when you when I heard the series, I didn't know the number offhand. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this has got to be pretty the, sure it's got to be spider bite yeah. issue. Yeah, uh, it's a great one. I'm glad to have read it. It's, um, it's always interesting when there's a classic. You mentioned the chip uh, issue mm-hmm. of was it a Peter Parker? Or? Uh, yeah, Peter Parker. Yeah, you know, it's always interesting when there's a classic issue that's not in the main, um, you know, series. Yeah. And I, I think Tom Taylor is such a great writer that that he could have written the main series if not yeah. for. You have Dan Slott, who's, you know, doing a 300 issue run run, and then, you know, picking up with Nick Spencer, who's closing in on now, you know, probably you'll get to a hundred if, if not more, you know, it's like, you just can't, there, there are too many people who want to write Spider-Man. You got to give them an offshoot book, I guess. But yeah, 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 yeah. But it, 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 this really could have been in the main series oh yeah it's so good and this is a great one too chip yeah. could have done the main series yeah this i think that's what just happens it's like well you're too good not to write spider-man yeah so let's just give you an offshoot series i can't believe how good the the art is in this issue i'm sorry scott i interrupted yeah. you but I'm, it's no. so it's so beautiful like it is really just like unnecessarily good i mean the story is great and could have been carried by more pedestrian art but it's also pretty virtuoso stuff. Comics here. have less and less bad art than they used to. Like there used to be <laughs> a lot more comics you dream like, yeah, this art's sort of uh, not great. And now it's it's very rare when I pick up a comic and I'm like, yeah, this is bad. Yeah. Right. No, I mean cool. it, it. It feels like um, that they they let Tom Taylor work with Juan Cabal. Like, okay, these scripts are coming in so amazingly. <laughs> like yeah. we're gonna put someone incredible yeah. on this. Yeah. You know, or maybe maybe he was there right from the the jump, and it it, it was a true collaboration between them. I'm not quite sure, but it yeah. just it, it it really is. It's it's almost like Marcos Martin kind of like yeah. They're, yes, they're different styles, like but they're they're in terms of quality. It's like oh man, these are some of the best people to ever to ever. It also it. kind of reminds me of All Star Superman, the Frank Quitely. Is that what his yeah. name Quitely, is? Yeah. Um, in terms of like, it's both detailed, but sort of uncluttered. There's like a lot of space in it, but the mm-hmm. figures who are drawn in are lines. really well run. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's, it's pleasing yeah. to look, it's easy to look at, but if you go deep, you can find like lots of well-chosen you that sort of. You just need that sort of precision. If you're going to pull off a 60 panel page, like some yeah. artists just, their style just would not work it. You wouldn't be able to read it. Yeah. And you, um, you also should shout out, uh, I think uh, 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 the the inkers you have. Uh, who inked these? Who inked it? We're scrolling uh, back here to get well, the there. colorist. You have Nolan uh, Woodard and uh, Frederico Lee. 
He might not be. He might be he inked himself. Cabal might have inked himself. There's no ink credited, so I assume that's what happened. Okay, so yeah, I guess he inked himself, but um, it's also very very digital. So much digital art that's happening more and more, where guys are just doing the art themselves. Sometimes Uh, they're doing it straight to just digital, and then some pencils are shot to ink. Yeah. Yeah, because I think on an iPad or you can just do it with a stylus now and, and erase anything that, you know, yeah. so there's no need for ink sometimes, you know. But Yeah, yeah I reached out to uh, Brian Reber, who's the colorist on Black Cat, because I wasn't sure. I was like, maybe the color artists are doing inking and coloring now because hmm. they're often listed as color artists, not just colorists. Right, right. And I was like, is this, is this? And he's like, no, it's just that's more accurate to what we do. We don't mm. do the inking. And I was like, okay, great. Thanks Colors, for answering. I, I, I'm good really flex, with with color artists because i think the the palettes that they i mean it's just it's it's truly a fascinating art form where where they elevate yeah. the, the issues to such a degree where and and it's not even something you notice necessarily because i think the penciler and always gets the majority of the the acclaim sure. but 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 it it adds such an incredible if, if you're just reading something black and white, it's not as pleasurable, but, and there's so much mood and, and oh, yeah. emotion used with what the colorists do. In the eighties, you could notice if the colorist was either given the time to pay attention. Lynn Varley used to do the colors for yeah. all Frank Miller stuff. I guess they were married, but, um, and she was incredible and her, and the stuff yeah. and the stuff popped more. Like well, I started colorist. I think it used to be pretty much almost like a coloring book, in a way of like, well, Spider-Man is this color. Yeah. Everything looks flat or whatever, but then coloring became so advanced around when Lynn Varley started doing it, that if you read like Ronin and stuff like that, it's, it's such a huge part of it um, to, to where it's, it's, it's really, I mean, you wonder why now comics are, you know, four 99 and, and yeah. five ninety nine. My dad would twenty five cents. Yeah, my dad would have a fit, but it's, it's they've, they've really advanced um, their game. Um, Scott, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and talk about this. We've taken so much of your time that I want to move into the wrapping up phase, so that we. My don't, pleasure. I, I um, love talking about uh, comics and Spider Man, and I really love it. You're so funny. I'm hey, sorry to, I'm be, sorry to before, earnestly before we wrap you. up. I have a quick important question. Yeah. Okay. Would it be Would it be fun to be carried by Spider Man on his web line? You know, Invincible kind of goes into this. <laughs> so, where it'd be so, like terrifying. Uh, read Invincible, and uh, I think they deal with it in a pretty realistic way. <laughs> even more than flying, it just feels like you're going up and down. It feels uncomfortable. Well, you know, the, I really love the the end of the last Spider-Man movie. Sure, they kind of uh, do that, don't they? The, you know, where Zendaya is essentially like, okay, I never want to do that again. I mean, that's how I would <laughs> feel. I got my wife and I, we went to the Orange County Fair once and uh, oh, you there's know those, a brag. Those, oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know those, uh, the cars you go into that are like carried, they're, they're on a line to go around the entire fair. I forget yeah what they're called they're like cable cards or whatever we we were like hey let's go up in one of those how fun yeah we got three feet off the ground and realized it's terrifying (laughs) (laughs) you're being suspended by a thin little line yeah and you're like rocking back carnies yeah Yeah. and that anything can happen and so i think that's how it would feel like yeah i don't know that it would be fun but i um, I like i like roller coasters and stuff like that but there's something about like i'm being held by one guy's very strong arm but yeah. the way he swings is like half falling, half being yanked upwards. Yeah, and he's shooting his. Now he's holding you, so he's shooting his web with the arm that he's swinging on. And then he lets go and shoots. And yeah, yeah it just seems like it'd be jostling. I th- I for sure would get sick. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the reality of it. But, but when you're a kid, it's like, oh man, yeah, of course. especially like if you're playing the Spider-Man video game, you know, you're like, oh my God, this would be so awesome. I mean, to do. part of me wonders if it could even be fun for Spider-Man to do. Is it just awful for him? <laughs> it is, it I is mean, not a, it doesn't yeah. seem like a practical way to get around, but, uh, it sure, it sure looks fun and in, in, looks in great. Art. Well, that's another, I think, Roger Stern issue that's maybe 246 or something like that. I can't remember exactly where he goes into the suburbs. I think, and did Peter David write this? That's I the Peter think? David oh, maybe one, Peter yeah. David. Yeah, Peter I've, David wrote Not that. to yeah, step yeah. on your impressive recall, because that is in the Roger Stern era, but I think it's in Peter David sort of was showing up and issue. doing fill-in issues. And, his yeah, spidey, yeah. and he's like driving a car and he looks insane. Because, because there's no buildings to, to yeah. shoot <laughs> webs onto and swing from, so he's like kind of trapped out in the middle yeah. of nowhere. He's like, well, all right. So he gets into a car it. and drives around. It's so funny. Um, okay, now Scott. you can wrap up, Will. Okay, yeah, Scott, thank you so Will much for doing this. My, it, Will, it I, was like Chris Rock at the end of <laughs> Bring the Pain. I, yeah, I dropped, you dropped, dropped my mic. mic. But it was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> like, I legit, what happened to I Chris would, Rock? <laughs> yeah, maybe he wasn't uh, trying he to make a statement. Hour he just like... He just had a quick spasm, dropped his mic, and had to walk off the stage to make <laughs> yeah, it work. That's he was too so big a reaction. He was just mortified. Yeah, bring the pain was supposed to be a four-hour thing, but he's like, I guess I'll just stop there. <laughs> he had a whole thing about the X-Files. Um, <laughs> oh, it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for doing it. Uh, as thanks, a, as guys. I tell, you're, you are so funny, but uh, I, lo- I, like what, I like that we got this earnest geek side of Scott Ackerman because I'm impressed at your genuine enthusiasm for comics. Hey, I, I have I, it too. I have a big enthusiasm. I I would like to write more at some point or do a run at some point. I don't know if I could ever fit it in, but yeah, uh, yeah. It, uh, I say it's going to happen. I say it's who knows. Happen. But uh, but I I uh, love uh, talking about comics and uh, yeah. big fan of this show. Uh, so thank you for having me on. Yeah. I'm here. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Oh, here. All right. Yeah. Bye. Checks. Bye. <laughs> And that was our inter- interview. Kevin, how do you think it went? Uh, didn't go well. <laughs> uh, did, uh, he seemed angry. <laughs> the moment wow, we I stopped didn't. recording, I don't know if you sensed it. I didn't pick he up on He seemed mad. He seemed wow, mad. I, no, I didn't get that at all. No, not uh, he, in the I think he felt after. like we cornered him and get, there was a lot of gotcha questions. Uh, our hardcore Heinz journalism tactics. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what his rep's going to be like after this episode drops. And I think he is also worried about that now. Yeah, we might have gotten him canceled. Um, can you imagine us as gotcha journalists? We'd be yeah. the, we'd, like if somebody was like, like CNBC was like, we want you guys to helm a gotcha show, like real, real tough, surprising questions. Be like, oh, all right. I mean, maybe this reveals Scott Ackerman as having like emotions and feelings because it was an emotional comic that <laughs> That's affected true. him. That's and true. And so now people are like, I thought this guy was hardcore. And now if I don't he think was, so If anymore. he was trying to maintain a rep as like this unfeeling robot, we might have blown it. Uh, um, I really I really liked it. And yeah, it was um, fun. I was really glad. He, I was, I mean, I'm flattered he would do it the show once. The fact that he did it twice yeah. uh, is amazing. Yes, I'm so so excited he, he dropped by again. He's, um, he's the Steve Martin to our early days SNL. Yeah, that's right. And we're going to have a similar impact on the podcast as this goes on. So he'll be glad to have been a part of our early legacy. That's right. Um, uh, do, are we going to have... 
Any others? Uh, I think I th- this is it. I, I don't know. We haven't booked anyone else. Okay, so this might be it for our season of guests. Um, we're going to get into just me and Kevin doing some comics for a little bit, but we are going to have another season of guests coming up because we've really enjoyed it. So there will be a second season of guests at some point in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, we've and, already uh, got some names uh, that we've been batting around. Yeah, You mentioned so, one in this episode, don't you? I think, yes, I do. Yeah. I think I do. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to have some more guests in the future. Thanks for listening to this. I can if already want, no longer remember what we discussed before and after It was not really not that Terry. long ago. It was like yeah. just a couple of days ago. But um, I guess that's the way this there are pandemic oh, brains. There goes the magic, Will. People now know that this outro was recorded days later. Yep. We're really letting them, really letting them behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, if you want to send us email about this episode, about Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, or about comics in general, please email us at screwitcomics at gmail, our yeah, new email new. address. That's yeah, our new we, email. We, we, One of our listeners forced us to do the very easy thing. Right, right. <laughs> our, our old email, which still works, is screwitspidey at gmail. And then somebody just on our behalf acquired the gmail address screwitcomics. And set it up for us, right? And forwarded it to yeah. us. And just they did everything for us. That's they incredible. did everything. They just said, go in here, change the password. You could use mail forwarding on your old account. Why haven't you already done this? Was sort of the implied, great question. Great question. Uh, uh, intent. We had no answer for that. And then I waited a few more weeks, <laughs> and I responded to them, and I was like, I don't know. And then a few weeks <laughs> after that, I finally did it. So, um, so thank you, mysterious uh, benefactor slash listener. He, he has a name. Do we want to thank him? Uh, his name's Tyler. I don't have his last name up right now. Well, we don't want to reveal his anonymity. He didn't agree to that. So thank you, Tyler, for helping improve our podcast. Our email address is screwitcomics at gmail. Our Instagram oh, you know account what? His is- name is not Tyler. His email address is Tyler. His name is Mark Bowen. Oh, thank you, Mark Bowen. Well, if his email address is Tyler, it's a reasonable mistake to make. Thank you, yeah, Mark yeah. Bowen. Uh, for helping us out. Our email is now screwitcomics. Our Instagram is screwitcomics. Our Twitter is screwitcomics. And you can contact us any of those ways. And um, uh, I think that's all we have to say, right? And then we'll yeah. just see it. We'll see you next episode, whatever that is. Yeah, bye, everyone. Bye. Screw it, screw it. We're just comics. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're You're here to to believe believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.